Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages in Australia and around the world and their struggles for social justice. I'm Lourdes Garcia Larque. July 20 was a historic day in Havana, Cuba, and in Washington, D.C., in the United States. For the first time in 54 years, the Cuban embassy in Washington and the American embassy in Cuba reopened their doors. After months of negotiation that involved even the Pope Francis, and after many years of work behind the scenes, this important moment finally took place. The 1st of January 1959 saw the triumph of the People's Revolution in Cuba, toppling the U.S.-backed dictatorship of Fulgencio Batista. Since early on, the land reforms and other popular reforms were not so popular with the U.S. administration of the time. And in January 1961, the United States broke all diplomatic relations with the Caribbean island. In April that same year, the U.S. launched an attack to Playa Girón, or Bay of Pigs, that saw the defeat of the U.S.-backed mercenaries. Soon after, Fidel Castro declared the Marxist-Leninist character of the revolution. Since then, Cuba took its own path in what was considered the American Hemisphere, leading the way in building education and health systems that have saved millions of lives in Cuba and many other third world nations. The history of the Cuban Revolution is a long and often a brave one. For many years, the Cuban people has endured a harsh embargo that prevents the island from accessing most needed resources, medical materials, means of communication, and more. In recent years, there have been a number of political, economic, and legislative changes. An important day in the Cuban Revolution calendar is July 26. The celebrations in Cuba and Latin America to commemorate this important date reminds us that there are a lot of questions in the air when discussing the re-establishment of the Cuba-U.S. diplomatic relations. What will this mean for the socialist model that Cuba has developed all these years? Is Cuba giving up and opening itself to American economic influence? How much will change as Cuba moves to a new generation of leadership? Today we are listening from Kenya Serrano Puig. She is the president of the Cuban Institute for Friendship with the Peoples, the ECAP, and a deputy to the Cuban National Assembly. Kenya visited Australia in June this year, invited by the Australian Cuban Friendship Society, and we had the opportunity to hear her reflections on these topics. We will hear to a combination of recordings from both her presentation during her visit to Melbourne and an interview conducted by British organization Rock Around the Blockade. You can find the links to that organization in our Accent of Women page. During the last few months, the governments of Raul Castro in Cuba and Barack Obama in the United States have announced the intention to normalize diplomatic relations. What are the main obstacles that this process faces? And what will be the impacts in the Cuban society and in the economy? I will give my personal opinion because I'm not an expertise on those 
aspects, I'm an activist of international solidarity and the presence of ICAP. And I can tell you that, first of all, that is a process that we are uh, facing today as a result of our resistance, as a result of our firm position in our principles defending Cuba, the Cuban Revolution, our independence, our sovereignty, and our decision to build a socialist society. So, in coherence with that, I believe that the process is going to be a long process. And when we talk about rejoining diplomatic relations, it is quite different to say that the relations will be normal. So the normalization of the Cuba-US relations is something that we will see but in, in, in a period, in a, in a long-term period, in my, in my understanding. Because remember that ideologically speaking, we are not reconcilable. So we are different. We are since, not only since January the 1st, 1959, the Cuban Revolution and the Cuban nation as a project is totally uh, in contradiction with the ideology of the United States and the founding fathers of the US system and the country of the United States. So if Cuba wants to be independent, there are going to be many threats coming from the US. If Cuba wants to continue being sovereignty and deciding on our internal domestic uh, decisions, it is going to be something coming from the US because ideologically speaking, they are designed to be the owners of Cuba. So it is a contradiction that I don't feel that is going to be solved in a short period of time. So another aspect of your question is uh, what obstacles this process will have. I think that I already mentioned the ideological obstacles, but of course, you are interested in knowing the impact in the society, in the economy, in different terms, in time. Well, uh, in terms of our economic uh, situation, we believe that if the uh, U.S. President, uh, Barack Obama, uh, take into consideration his prerogatives, there are some levels of exchange in terms of economic exchange in terms of the licenses that he is already approving in order to allow U.S. citizens to come to Cuba, in order to allow some sectors of the Cuba and the, 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 the people in the U.S. To, to be in communication, that it will have a positive impact. Of course, remember that the main obstacle is the U.S. blockade against Cuba. And that blockade is approved and codified by the U.S. Congress. So Obama, he said that he's committed to engage the Congress in a serious debate about the blockade. So we hope he has success on that. Remember that another obstacle is that in a current composition of the U.S. Congress, there is the Republican Party is the majority in that uh, legislative body, and it means that Many of the Republicans are anti-Cubans. Of course, there are some B-party agreements in terms of having a tactic interest in lifting the U.S. blockade against Cuba. For instance, let us mention 
the case of uh, some uh, enterprises and some businessmen willing to have a coalition against the blockade because they belong to the lobby of the food industry in the United States, agricultural industry, and also people willing to sell their products in Cuba. And it is interesting that tendency, and we know why they want to leave the blockade. They want to leave the blockade because the blockade is an obstacle for their business. So they need to make profit out of the lifting of the U.S. blockade. And of course, we are expecting that to, to happen. But we are sure that another obstacle is that the U.S. is clearly saying, and the, Barack Obama clearly said in many moments during these days that he has been uh, doing many speeches about Cuba and the, 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 the change in his policy on Cuba, that the objectives are the same. They changed the methods because the methods were a failure, the policy was a failure, but they say they have the same objectives. Which are the same objectives? Well, to defeat the Cuban Revolution. So, it is another obstacle. The cynicism of the U.S. policy on Cuba, because they are saying, well, we understand that our policy is a disaster, is a failure, but we need to continue looking for a way to uh, achieve a regime, change, uh, a regime change in Cuba. So it is absolutely unacceptable for us because it is the Cuban people, it is our parliament, it is our civil society, it is our elected officials, the ones that are empowered to decide what will happen in Cuba. It is not any foreign a power who will decide the destiny and the future of the Cuban revolution. And in terms of the, the Cuban uh, society, we understand that one of the things that uh, immediately, together with the approval of the U.S. policy, the, the, the U.S. blockade policy against Cuba, together with that, they have been prohibiting the U.S. citizens to come to Cuba. And I advise you to, to wonder why. Why don't they want the U.S. citizens to come and see Cuba by themselves? So that's one of the benefits that I feel we will achieve from that because, and still today we are, we are witness of that, ICAP, our institute, is receiving thousands of people coming from the U.S. and you can see that the majority of those citizens realized how many lies they have been told during their lives. They come to Cuba, they see by themselves, they talk to the Cuban people, and of course there is not a, a consensus that they are in favor of the Cuban socialism. No, 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 it's not the situation. But they are now more able to understand what Cuba is. They are able to understand that, yes, we have a society with a lot of achievements, that in Cuba you can walk down the streets and nobody is going to kill you, nobody is going to kidnap your, your kid and so on. So it is a process where the Cuban society is going to be benefited in front of the eyes of the U.S. public opinion. I know that a, a, a huge wall of silence continues because there are more articles in the U.S. media about Cuba, but still there are a lot of distortion. There is a lot of distortion regarding the Cuban reality, but nevertheless it is very important to have 
people to people exchange and what is happening today in these changes we have obstacles but remember that Obama recognized that the Cuban government is the entity with which they have to relate. They cannot relate with the civil society, what they call the independent civil society or the private sector of Cuba, because the institution is established by the Cuban revolution in power, and they have to recognize the empowerment of the Cuban revolution and not any other alternatives or opposition that they build with mercenaries paying salaries for the people here to save why the, what the U.S. intersection is expecting them to save. So there are some obstacles, and we are not a, a policy optimistic. We expect this process to continue, and we are doing our uh, uh, process with our principles. We are not going to do any concession in, in our principles, and I hope we will have results. And the U.S. people is in favor of that changes. The majority of the U.S. people is in favor of that. And I hope that the U.S. government, the present uh, administration and the future administrations take advantage of this moment for Cuba and also for Latin America. If you just tuned in, we have been listening to Kenia Serrano who is the president of the Cuban Institute for Friendship with the Peoples, ICAP. You are listening to Accent of Women on community radio on satellite across Australia. We have been talking about the obstacles and potential impacts of the re-establishment of diplomatic relations between Cuba and the United States. A topic that has undoubtedly been raised, and particularly from the left commentators and analysts, is in regards to the socialist character of the Cuban Revolution. During her presentation, Kenya answered to the question that if this reapproachment with the U.S. will mean a defeat to the socialist revolution. First of all, when you talk about Cuban socialism, you should remember these people that probably they are feeling that our socialism is about to, to, to end, they should remember that the Cuban socialism was proclaimed uh, after the invasion in Playa Giron, the Bay of Pigs. So we triumphed, we defeated the mercenary invasion, and it was the moment where we realized that only socialism was the solution to preserve and to really build a different society and to really find the kind of political system that really fits in our needs as a people. So today, 54 years after that, I can tell you, well, let us see, is the confrontation between socialism and capitalism showing us that capitalism has won any battle? I don't think so. The battles that we are winning today are in the hands of socialism. And the struggles that we have achieved victories, like the Cuban Five, for instance, it is thanks of the resistance of a people with different mentality. And that new and different mentality, the, 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 the new human beings that Che Guevara said that we had to be able to prepare, it is socialist. So I don't think the Cuban socialism is 
coming to an end. I believe that, yes, the Cuban socialism is facing a, 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 a challenge. And in my belief, this challenge, the first result that we will have from that is to be stronger, is to realize that whenever we are in a victory, we cannot feel that everything is done. We have to realize that in every historical moment, when our historical enemies see that we are like in, a, in that field of joy because we won a victory, they could take advantage of that momentum and to uh, try to undermine the unity of the Cuban people, try to confuse our people uh, through the cultural war. Remember that they are very strong in terms of the pseudo-cultural war that they present consumerism and many other things. So the Cuban socialism now, with the updating of the Cuban socialist model that we approved in our previous Congress of the Communist Party of Cuba, more than 8 million Cubans having a debate, more than 3 million proposals on the table, 68% of the guidelines were changed in terms of the, 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 the way we wanted those guidelines to be in order to have a better socialism. I don't feel it has to do with a weakness. It has to do with a strength. It has to do with the continuity of a socialism in a different moment in Latin America, in Cuba, 56 years after the triumph of the revolution and very committed with the alternative of socialism. And what are the challenges that the new generations face in this process? Kenya was asked if she had confidence in the new generations to assume leadership in the construction of the socialist process. I'm very confident on the capability of the younger generation of Cubans to succeed in this new moment of the socialist building in Cuba. And I say that because if our previous generations that didn't see this momentum, they lived and they, they protagonized other moments of the Cuban Revolution. But the new generations, we have been able to enjoy the achievements, but also, and it is a very important aspect of our generations, to enjoy, yes, to enjoy the achievements, but at the same time remember that we have been the generation that have been facing the silent enemy, that have been facing an enemy that you cannot see clearly. It is the enemy that is present in, the, in those, the, the subversion programs, that enemy that is in the media, in the systematic campaign against Cuba, that enemy that is also taking advantage of our failures internally, that enemy that is saying, oh, you see Cuba, they are updating socialism because they committed many mistakes. And remember that it is the generation that in the middle of that confusion have been very lucky to have together with us the historical generation of the revolution. Fidel, Raul, Almeida, Vilma, Celia, all these women so it is not a problem of being older than 40 years or, 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 or younger, 
the problem in the younger generations of Cuba, or, or not the problem, the, the case of the Cuban young, younger generations, it is that, yes, we belong to different moments, but we are committed with the same principles. And of course, that is true, that we have to understand the new moments, a different epoch, where the new technologies of information and communication are so prevalent in our day life, in day, uh, everyday lives, of course, it is a new moment. Our previous generations even don't even have a, a telephone or a paper to write. And today it is a different dynamic in the society. But again, I believe that this new generation are able because they inherited all these values and at the same time they have been able to be creative facing the new challenges and playing our role in this new scenery. And we could see that few days ago in Panama, in the summit, in the, the civil society forum as part of the uh, organization of the American States Summit, where Cuban young members of the Cuban delegation belong, uh, members of the University Student Federation, members of the Cuban civil society, they were able face to face with the contra-revolutionaries face to face with the mercenaries, with the murderer, murderer of Che Guevara, to tell those people in front of them, eye to eye to them, to say, you are not representing me, you are not representing the Cuban society, we are the genuine representatives of the Cuban revolution. So when you are able to do that with that uh, genuinity in your expression, it is because you are decided to defend a revolution. And of course, we have many challenges in front of us. Those challenges has to do that, of course, there are uh, new ways to uh, do the war against Cuba. I mentioned them, the subversion programs. All this natural need of persons living in an island like Cuba is to exchange our views with other people in the world. That decision that we have made uh, as part of the updating process of the Cuban socialism to uh, open up our country in terms of the migratory policy. So our young uh, people in Cuba is traveling abroad more often than the previous generations. And in my understanding, and I have been able to talk to some of the Cuban young people traveling around, it is going to make us stronger because that will allow us to compare. And when they are going to many countries, not only the United States, but to Ecuador, to Europe, to many other countries, when they return, I can tell you that they see, well, that's true that there are many things, a lot, a lot of things that we don't have in Cuba, but what you feel in Cuba that you have a country, that you have your identity, that nobody will discriminate you because of the color of your skin or because you are gay or because of all these things that in the world are so common that you are discriminated in many other countries. And that's where the revolution thrives. That's where our values will succeed in these challenges that, that we have for the present and for the future of the Cuban revolution. Another topic that was discussed with Kenya was the importance of international solidarity in supporting the Cuban Revolution. The significance of international solidarity for us is something that 
constitutes a principle for the Cuban Revolution. And to see that people from all over the world is in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution is something that really constitutes a commitment for us. We are committed to continue in solidarity with other peoples because Cuba has been the recipient of the world solidarity actions. And also it is a clear expression of a value that can unite people in different countries, with different cultures, with different political beliefs, that for being human beings, it is necessary to be in solidarity. So it is the, the meaning it has for, for all of us. It is a huge support, and we believe that we are here thanks to many things, and especially thanks to the international solidarity. It's time to think definitely that the world has to change. Capitalism is not the way to achieve that. It is a socialist society, the one that will allow us all to live together like human beings. And it is my message. Today, we talked about the diplomatic victory of the peoples of Cuba and the United States with the reopening of embassies in July 20, after more than 54 years of diplomatic distance. The celebration of the Cuban Revolution in July 26 reminds us of the challenges and expectations that that reapprochment represents. It also reminds us that while the embargo continues to undermine the human rights of the Cuban people, and while the U.S.-run torture camp of Guantanamo Bay remains, As our guest Kenia Serrano said, relations can't be normalized. Kenia Serrano Puig is the president of the Cuban Institute for Friendship with the Peoples, the ECAP, and a deputy to the Cuban National Assembly. She visited Australia in June this year, invited by the Australia-Cuban Friendship Society. Part of this recording is part of an interview conducted by British organization Rock Around the Blockade in their recent visit to Havana in May this year. Sadly, this is all we have time for on today's Accent of Women. To listen to this show again, or any of our other programs, you can download the podcast from the 3CR's website, and that's www. .3cr.org.au with the digit 3 and not spelled out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. This show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of this show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning into the show today. I'm Lourdes García Larque and I look forward to your company again in our next program. And viva Cuba Libre!